welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Crabby Christian, a Misfit Media Network production. I am your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Julie, hey, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian. Thanks for having me. I'm ready to confess. <laughs> or be crappy, which whichever there you way go. you choose. I'd, ra- to look I'd at rather it. confess. I don't want to be crappy. That's no fun. <laughs> so you have just had a complete rewrite of a book that you wrote 20 years ago come out, Finding the Hero and Your Husband, Embracing Your Power in Marriage. And I am fascinated by that because we were talking a little bit before we started recording about power struggles and do I, like as a wife, do I have power? You know, the world is telling you like, I am woman, hear me roar, I have control. (laughs) Then sometimes the church gets it twisted and makes it like you have no power and just utter, you know, servitude. So can you kind of just tell us a little bit about the book and maybe why you decided to rewrite it? Yeah, well, I guess I have to probably go back to why I wrote it in the first place. Um, so I wrote this book as a pretty new wife, and I was struggling personally with my power because I was finishing my doctorate degree in psychology. I had been a, a believer my whole life. I knew the scriptures. I had this type A personality, and I married this guy who was a new believer, as Mister Happy Go Lucky, fun loving, you know, not not a goal oriented person at all. And I feel like, okay, everything I'm hearing from the church is that I have to learn to be weak mm. and I have to leave my education and my knowledge and my strength at the doorstep so I don't threaten my husband. Yeah. And I just felt like that can't be right because God's the one that gave me spiritual gifts and, and a brain and a biblical knowledge. Uh, so what does the scripture have to say about how I navigate those waters? And as a, I was a new clinician at the time, and I started to realize that this wasn't a question I was just asking, that women were really wrestling with, what does it mean to bring my power into marriage? And one side of the coin was what I was thinking, like, how do I not dominate my husband and make him feel inadequate? But the other side of the coin is women who are married to dominant men, and they feel like I have no voice. Uh, I feel like in the church, people are never telling me to even hold my husband accountable or to confront. And that is very destructive as well. So the first version of the book was me as a young wife and clinician, really wrestling through um, these issues. And the book sold uh, copies and women over the last couple of decades have told me how it's helped them. But I started cringing a little bit over the last five years or so, as people would mention the book, because I'm like, Okay, I know there's some good principles, but man, I've learned so much and I would yeah. phrase things differently. And our society has changed. And I think how women view themselves have changed. So uh, I went back to the book intending to do some really heavy edits. And the more I got into it, I'm like, you know, I just have to scrap it and start with the same concept, but rewrite it. And that's where we, we are today. So glad it's done. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That's 
first of all, I think that's incredible because I think, I think that there are a lot of good books, good premise books that maybe could use another like touchback in 2022. So I love that you did that, dude. That's the editing process. I just finished the manuscript for my first book and the, 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 thank you. The editing process was so brutal. So I can't imagine trying to go back 20 years and edit something that you wrote and just, yeah. be, I would think I would be like, I'm just going to do this again. Like, I'm yeah, just, let me just no, start that's over. what I felt like I've, even my voice has changed, you know, back right. then I sounded like professional and clinical. And as I found my voice in ministry, I've learned just to be more open and authentic. And yeah, so I'm like, that doesn't even sound like me. Uh, yeah. So I'm glad I had the chance to redo it. That is so funny. So you said one of the things or a lot of it is you were struggling to find like, what did your power look like? I'd love that you kind of present the opposite side that Mm -hmm. there are a lot of women who are married to very like, quote unquote, powerful, dominant men that they don't know where they fit. One of the things that you talk about is a a wife's greatest challenge. Yeah. What, what is it? (laughs) Oh, well, I think The greatest dilemma is we want our husbands to lead, but we want them to lead the way we tell them to lead. (laughs) So it's a double mind that we, that we often put our husbands in and I've done that. you know, I remember early in our marriage, I would say to my husband, I want you to be more of a spiritual leader. And, uh, and so he took that and started to run with it. And he's like, okay, I, I'm going to make sure that we pray together once a week. And the first week that he said, hey, let's pray together now, it was a Sunday, and my favorite football team was playing, like right when he said, let's pray. I'm like, well, not now, like the game is starting, and this is before you had DVR. And, right. And so I was like, I don't want to pray now. And like, he just immediately was frustrated and deflated because here he is stepping into taking initiative, and I'm micromanaging how he does it. And like that's played out over, we've been married for 27 years over how we parent, how we manage money, how we approach friendships, you name it. I love to see my husband step into leadership, take initiative, but then I hate it because I want to control how he's doing everything. Yep. And, um, and so that's a dilemma that I think a lot of women can identify with and men are like, yes, that's how I feel all the time. Uh, Right. I I can't win. (laughs) Well, I can't win. I can remember early years. My husband and I have been married 10 years this year and early years, there was a lot of like, I can't win. Like you're asking me to do something and then you don't like the way that I do it. And, you know, micromanaging and wanting them to do things a certain way. But I think that one of the difficult balances of that is part of being in that relationship is like, there have been times where my husband's come to me with constructive criticism that was necessary. That Mm -hmm. was like, who else are we going to hear it from? But the person that we like live with day in and day out. And so some, a lot of times I find myself trying to weigh my micromanaging or am I like being led by the Holy spirit to like help my husband with something? Yeah. 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 That's, that's a balance. That's very hard to find. And uh, sometimes we just know it like, yeah, Holy Spirit isn't telling me to criticize how my husband loads the dishwasher right? <laughs> so, or that he's asking me to pray. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I think some of it is just that self-reflection and being honest with the fact that I really, in my own pride, believe that everything will be better if we do it the way I think it should be done. And 
that hit me like a, a ton of bricks when I first saw that in myself, that no, I genuinely believe that I have better answers to everything than my husband does. Yeah. And, and so this is a, a lifelong journey. It's not just about our marriage, but it's about God humbling us, God giving us a teachable spirit, and ultimately us learning to trust the Lord mm-hmm. um, with with his ways and not just always having to have things done the way we think they should be done. Absolutely. I can think back to 23 year old me just married and I wanted him to do things the way that I thought they should be done. And I can, I can kind of mirror that with now at 33, 10 years into being married now, like I know when I have that prompting in my spirit to talk to him about something, I know when it's correct, it's not, Oh, he needs to do this better. It's this would, this would help. This Mm -hmm. would be beneficial. Maybe it's like, you know, he's a dude. He grew up with brothers. He has two girls and a wife. Like he needs a little bit of like female (laughs) nudging with like how to talk to our little girls. And so there have been times where I've had to be like at way after the fact, you know, be like, Hey, I love you. You're such a wonderful dad. Sometimes when you say this, I can see they don't hear you or it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's just totally like that, the way I feel. And I think discernment is the, how we find that balance. The way that I feel speaking into that feels different than being like, like you said, could you stop loading the dishwasher like an idiot? Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, <laughs> and It's not just the way we feel. It's also the way he feels. So like me, able to check in and I have a husband who's very vocal and he will tell me if he feels like that came across as manipulative or bossy. And at first I was like, why are you so sensitive? Which is a funny thing for a woman to say to her husband. But, uh, but then I was like, that's a good thing that he's so apt to give me input and feedback. You know, one of the things that I talk about in the book is that men have core needs in marriage and we've kind of been talking around this, but they have two core needs that balance each other out. So one of them is this need to feel like my wife believes in me, like she's on my team. She supports me. We might use the traditional word respects, and that's a trigger for a lot of women, but it's really, you know, do you see your husband as your hero? Like, will you believe in him even when you see his weakness? And then the other need is he needs your help. And so we, we see even in scripture that God says, men, we're, you're not good alone. Like I'm going to create women um, to be this this counterpart that together you bear the image of God. So you need one another. And so for a husband to succeed in relationships and life, he needs the input of, of women and particularly in marriage, he needs the input of his wife. And so as you describe that, you so beautifully shared how you talk to your husband. I love you. You're a great dad. You know, there's the encouragement. I believe in you, mm-hmm. but let me bring my perspective as a woman yeah you might need to, to talk to our daughter differently. Yeah. And I think of those two needs as like two wings of an airplane. And we're constantly trying to keep it level because when one gets out of balance, then we start to spiral downward. One of the best things I learned, I wish I, that I wish I would have learned earlier was to believe the best about him, to yeah. not assume the worst. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that some people just have maybe nat- naturally like pessimistic or optimistic, uh, yeah. like bent. I am just naturally more pessimistic. I think the worst, I assume the worst. I just, and I'm working on it, constant work in progress. But when I, sh- when that shifted for me, when I stopped thinking 
the things that he was doing were like out to get me and were just flaws from being a human being Mm -hmm. that radically because I can remember him being upset and being like I wish you wouldn't assume the worst of me Mm -hmm. like I'm not trying to hurt you I'm not trying to upset you and look there are women out there with husbands that are trying to hurt them and are trying to upset them and trying to frustrate them that's not what we're talking about like he is just being a human in a human world and when that shifted in my mind I feel like it changed everything for us Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can remember my husband, even now when we get into conflict, he'll say things to me like, I didn't wake up this morning saying, I want to fight with Julie. Like that's not my intention. And it's sort of this level set of, no, my husband has a good heart. You know, he's not a perfect person and he's going to disappoint me and not respond to things well sometimes, but that's true of me too. Right. And so that choice to say, I, I choose to see the best in you and believe in the best in you is so critical. Absolutely. One of the things that you talk about is, or the book is actually about the power women have in their Mm -hmm. marriages. Mm -hmm. Can you practically describe like what that actually looks like? Yeah. So I really believe that our power as wives come from what our husbands need. And now most of us, when we try to change our marriage, we think about what we need. How can Mm -hmm. I get him to be more tentative or, you know, help with the kids We will never change our marriage by thinking about what we need because my husband's power is rooted in what I need. My power is rooted in what he needs. Mm. Like an example of this is you maybe have one supplier in your neighborhood of electricity. So if the power goes out because you didn't pay your bill, like you need that electricity. So that's going to be the first bill you pay. The electric company, no pun intended, has power. Because they're the only one that can supply what you need. And God has designed marriage, intimate relationships, so that my husband needs things that only I can really supply. And that gives me power. Um, So when we talk about, for example, that need he has to feel like I believe in him, that need he has to be seen as a competent person, not as a failure, that gives me power. And so that means we can uh, approach the same situation. Let's say it is a parenting situation. We have three sons and let's say he comes in and he's too brisk with the boys. And I see that. And as a psychologist, I'm like, oh no, this is going to scar them in the future. Right. So how do I handle that? I can handle it by saying, don't do that. You're wrong. You're going to scar them. You don't know what you're doing. I'm using my power in such a way that is making our relationship really an emotionally unsafe place. Hmm. Or I can approach that situation by saying, hey, I know you love our kids so much. I know you're trying. You know, would you be open to some input on how to interact with them more? You know, and it might be a stronger confrontation at different times, but how I use my words in every and any situation from the very basic interchange of the day to how we address conflict, I'm using my power to either say, I'm about building us, or I'm using my power to say, I'm about staying in control. Mm. Uh, And that makes the difference between the emotional environment of intimacy or, you know, we're both kind of on guard all the time. I think it's, am I set on like keeping score and winning? Yep. Or am I set on my marriage thriving? Those two things I don't think can coexist. And I think keeping score, I mean, sometimes like you were kind of saying about the most innocent things I've 
I found myself keeping score on like who got to go do something this week, like mm-hmm. after, you know, work or whatever. And I didn't. So like you owe me because mm-hmm. I put these like I fed these kids dinner and I put them to bed by myself. So like I am owed. And my I'm married to a very kind, gentle. He is like the ice to my fire. Um, wonderful man. I can guarantee you he doesn't do that. Like I can guarantee. And so when, and, and I still struggle with that sometimes keeping score and wanting to win. But when I'm not doing that, then we get to be on the same team. Yeah. Yeah. That's so key. The like, it's almost like culture wants married people to believe they're not on the same team. And I'm like, there is no more team than being married. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is that drive to be right, to win. But I think also at a more foundation level, it's the drive to stay safe. Mm. And so when I don't use my power well, sometimes just because I'm not thinking or I'm careless, but more often it's because I want to stay emotionally safe. I don't want to be vulnerable and vulnerability and intimacy have to go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so a a husband and a wife in order to build intimacy have to step into areas of marriage that don't immediately feel safe Um, for a lot of guys initiating and leading is not safe because they're opening themselves up to criticism. Yeah. For a lot of women, you know, encouraging their husbands and sort of stepping back a little bit so that they can step forward. That doesn't feel safe because what if he makes the wrong decision? Like, I don't want to feel that vulnerable. Right. And and so what God is asking us to do is step out of our comfort zone and say, there's a bigger picture here than just, you know, like protecting my cookies. Right. Well, and I think that when you said that it's about feeling safe, I even was like, oh, yeah, that is what it is. Because I think anytime, almost anytime that we've struggled, it's been my own emotional barriers that I'm throwing up because I don't want to have to be vulnerable and it's just easier. I think that's how you end up becoming roommates. Yeah. Yeah. It is. You're afraid. Yeah. It's fear. Yeah. It's like you never say the words, but it's this negotiated truce of, this is as close as we'll get. We will divvy up uh, mm-hmm. household responsibilities and our parenting. And we might watch Netflix together, but we're not going past this wall because it costs us too much. Oof. But at the end of the day, then we, we end up sad. We end up feeling isolated. Life becomes miserable. And so it, it's worth it stepping into that vulnerability and knowing how to do it well. So if someone's listening and they're, they feel like their stomach has dropped because they're like, oh shoot, that's, that's where I'm at. That's where we've gotten. There is hope. There is, it is so very possible to grow beyond that. What, what's your, like, if you had to have, if you got like a couple of minutes with somebody to tell them how to practically walk forward in a marriage that's kind of gotten to that place, what would it be? Yeah. First of all, I think everyone uh, can identify with this at some level. So it, no one gets married and it's just smooth sailing to intimacy. No. <laughs> so, uh, so we all need that hope and we all need that very clear direction. And I think the question that I would ask and the encouragement is really begin to ponder, how do I use my power in marriage? Mm. Where has God given me power? Uh, one of my favorite verses that I found when I first wrote this book as a young wife was Proverbs 14.1. And it says the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. 
Mm. which implies that women are powerful. Amen. And it, and it also implies that even if I'm not aware of it, I'm doing something with that power. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not intentional, I will tear down. So what does it tell me to do? It tells me to seek wisdom. I want to be that wise woman. Uh, Lord, would you give me wisdom? Would you help me become aware of where my husband is vulnerable and sensitive and teach me how to meet that vulnerability with love and with appropriate strength, not with you know, trying to keep the upper hand in the relationship? Right. That's amazing. I think that that's really helpful. That idea that our power is what the other needs. Mm-hmm. I feel like my brain's trying to like wrap mm-hmm. itself around that because it makes so much sense. And it's really not all that difficult to find and figure out what the other person needs because you can ask them. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Yeah, they'll tell you. And there are some core needs that most husbands are going to resonate with and it plays out differently because we're all different people and we have different relationships. But the three identified in the book were, again, that first one of, do you believe in me? Am I your hero? The second one being, are you my teammate? Are you bringing your strength to me? And then the third one, which can be somewhat complicated is how do we share the sexual journey? And um, probably about 70 to 80% of husbands will say that Sex is a big piece of how they experience closeness in marriage. It's a mm-hmm. need for them. And so if they're articulating that, then that means, okay, as a wife, what am I doing with that power in that arena of my marriage? Right. Uh, and again, that's a very complicated topic, but it's one that, you know, the culture has all this power to influence us because of sexuality, but that's a power that God intended for husband and wife to have with one another and use in a positive way. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So speaking of controversial topics, what if we talked about submission for a second? <laughs> uh, I cannot go there. No, <laughs> you wrote a whole chapter about it. So I, I know you can go there. Yes, I so did. That's one of your chapters is about submission. I want to know why did you write it instead of just avoiding it altogether? Cause you could have, yeah, you could have written this whole book without it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a chapter in the first version of the book. And when I went back to rewrite it, I thought, huh, like, what do I want to do with this? And submission was controversial 20 years ago, but it's way more so today um, to the point where there are a lot of Christian women that immediately will tune you out if they think you think submission is something that they need to know about. So, um, but I really believe you can't talk about power without then applying it to these verses on submission in marriage. And part of what I knew when I first wrote this book, but have know so much more today is how submission has been misapplied and mistaught and misunderstood by practically every Christian Mm -hmm. woman. And because it's been so misapplied, we rightfully have seen it as being this harmful thing that subjugates women, that's bad for women, that sets them up for abuse that makes them feel like they have to be weak. And Mm -hmm. so part of me diving into the scriptures, I want to know where's the goodness of God. And if this truly is something that God intends us to study and to apply, where is the goodness in it? And over my own journey, what I found is that if I truly understand what submission means in those passages in light of all of scripture, it really gives me that wisdom for how I use my power in a way Mm -hmm that builds intimacy and that reflects God's glory. And so 
uh, in that chapter, I start by even talking about let's let's address what submission is not. Yeah. And then the following chapter is even applying it to relationships and situations where a man is dominant or controlling or abusive or flagrantly sinning. Mm. You know, do you confront your husband in sin? Do you say, no, I'm not going to engage with you in this act Uh, and how that's a godly use of power. And I think traditionally we've thought submission means you just keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Um, Doormat. Yeah. So I, I had a, I, as hard of a topic as it is, and I had a lot of fun, even looking at the passage in first Peter three, that talks about women having a quiet and submissive spirit mm-hmm. and then using Sarah as the example, be like Sarah. And yeah. I'm like, okay, that woman was a lot of things, but she wasn't quiet. And what Peter is talking about there is her spirit, not right. her personality or not sharing her opinions or speaking out. She was pretty outspoken, yeah. but her spirit was, I don't want to always be competing with my husband or I don't want right. to have a louder voice than God does. And so I, I love just take grappling with topics like that and applying it to where we're living today. I will never forget early in my marriage. I posted something on Facebook. It was like a quote about submission and somebody that had known me since college commented on it and was like, you don't really think you're submissive do you like, that's funny because I'm a big, loud, fiery personality type. And The comment section got really interesting because a lot of the women that I look up to, that I love, that had mentored me, who had the same like outspoken, big personality were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like it's possible to be both, to do both. I think we've been taught this like black and white, you're either this or this. And Mm. so much of loving Jesus and walking with him is a both and, and this is one of them. Like somebody not that long ago asked me on Instagram who is like the boss in the relationship. And I was like, Jeremy is, I don't want any of that. I don't want that responsibility. I don't want the like guilt of sin of overtaking him in that responsibility. Like, yeah, I can be a loud mouth and still be submissive to my husband. Exactly. Like like you said. Yeah. And I think the opposite is also true. You can be really quiet and demure and have a spirit of resentment and criticism. Yeah. That's not submissive. And, right. uh, and so I think we look at these actions or roles or personalities and we apply biblical teaching to that instead of saying, no, God is all about the heart. Yes. Uh, and when he gets control of our heart and our spirits, our personality is still true to who we are. Um, but it's again, for this greater picture of Christ living in and through me. Amen. Can you just as like a little bit of a spoiler, cause we still want people to read the book. Can you describe a little bit what your take on Christian submission is? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we got to start with what's the bigger picture of marriage. And we we see through the Bible that through marriage, God is revealing something about himself. So marriage is this human relationship that reveals Christ in the church. And part of that picture is our gender. And that applies to all conversations around sexuality and gender. God is revealing through our bodies and through our gender uh, and through marriage. And so when you start with that premise, you start to say, okay, what is God actually revealing when we read passages like Ephesians 5 and 1 Peter 3? 
And it's really clear, Paul says, God is revealing uh, the nature of the gospel of Christ's relationship with the church. He's also revealing how the Trinity interacts with each other. And we see that Jesus, who in Philippians chapter two is fully God, he has equality with God, but he yields um, to the father for a greater authority. And the same is true with how this plays out in marriage. I am equal to my husband. I have the same level of dignity. I, I, I have gifts and things like that. And so God doesn't want me to deny those things, but yield those things because mm. our marriage is painting a greater picture. And so I, when I first wrote this book, I had like more rules about what this looked like. I didn't yeah. do that anymore because yeah. I don't think it's about rules. I think it's about spirit. I think it's about if I ask my husband, do you feel like I believe in you? And he says, yes. We look at Proverbs 31, where it says the heart of her husband trusts in her Mm -hmm. and she's going to do him good and not evil all the days of her life. That's the spirit of submission. Amen. Uh, And that means that I have a strong voice in our marriage. It doesn't mean my husband's always making the decisions. He's a wise husband who's going to say, God gave me this wife and I should listen to her and I need to consider her. Uh, highly, even more highly than I consider myself based on Christ's example. And so again, you're painting this beautiful picture that's meant to reflect um, God's relationship with us. Uh, right. And it takes a long time to get there. Uh, there's a lot of flesh that gets in the way. And it's particularly difficult, I think, when women get a sense of this, but their husbands are still operating with the me first mentality. Mm-hmm. And that's where this becomes very difficult to set boundaries and to have the right spirit, but also to be confronting when something's unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One of my all-time favorite quotes is from my big fat Greek wedding when the mom says the man is the head, but the woman is the neck. Like she can turn the yep. head from side to side. <laughs> that just made so much sense to me. Like we have power. We have the power of influence and discernment yeah. and coming alongside our husbands rather than like us being like at one another. Mm-hmm. And that I like, I, like you said, I think it takes time. I mean, we're 10 years in and we're still figuring that out. And we still have times yeah. where there is legitimately a power struggle in mm-hmm. our marriage. But I like that you use that word yield. Like mm-hmm. it's not laying down. It's not being a doormat. It's knowing who you are and what you're capable of and yielding that it's worth it to submit to your husband and respect him and let him be the leader. Yeah. And really we're yielding to God. And yeah, absolutely. when my husband and I get into a situation where we don't see eye to eye, the question isn't who's going to yield to who, but how do we together yield to God? We want, we want what God wants. Um, but, but the uniqueness of yielding looks different for a husband than it does for a wife, but right. they both are called to yield in different ways. What, what does that look like for a husband? Her husband, you know, he actually has the greater call to yield because he's told, love your wife like you love your own body. Um, Love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. A woman's never told to do that for a husband. Yeah. A a man is told that. So when my husband and I are considering a decision, actually his call is put Julie's needs above your own. Um, mm-hmm. You know, later, even if it comes at your own demise, do what's going to benefit her. So when we really understand that, we both have this high call of yielding. Yeah. 
So Julie, where I'm assuming people can get the book wherever they get books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anywhere. There's a, a larger ministry that I run called Authentic Intimacy. And we have a website, AuthenticIntimacy.com, podcast called Job with Julie. And we just tackle really tough conversations, a lot of them around sexuality, um, but every, every aspect of intimacy. That's awesome. And we'll link to all of that in our show notes so that people can connect with you, Julie. Thank you so much for your time and a really full conversation. Yeah. Thanks, Blake. It's been a pleasure. All right. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right. See you next week.